How we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon, a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, which, folks, I would like to point out, that day might be here. Our opportunity might be here, this moment where the global crises and conflicts are coming to the fore between ruling class governments of different uh, types of different forms uh, ultimately provides us with one of the most uh, impregnable times for global revolution. So let us remember this. Let us remember everything that, uh, you know, folks that have come before us have done, have taught us and have given us examples to learn from. Uh, But anyways, for those of you who this is the first time tuning in, how's it going? My name is Josh. I am your host. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do or don't, please feel free to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to give me an honest rating and review. If you would like to reach out to me, there's a few ways you can do that. You can DM me on any of my social media accounts. I have TikTok. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all of which you can find by searching In Defense of Liberation. I believe all of them have a lovely little picture of Comrade Lenin holding out the blunt, Um, so uh, that should be me. And uh, if you'd like to reach out and maybe give me a little bit more of a correspondence, of a critique, of a concern, or a question, and write it out in long form, uh, you can do so by emailing me. I have an email set up. It's indefensiveliberation at gmail.com without any caps or spaces. But, uh, yeah, if this is you t- coming back, you know what's up. You know how this goes. I hope you're well. I hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy, staying sane, um, staying revolutionary during these times because... Not everybody is, to be honest. Um, It's a difficult time. It's a difficult time to have a correct analysis of what's going on. It's a difficult time to know really what is going on. Um, And uh, that is why it's important to build internationalist ties. That's why it's important to build connections with people all across the world. Social media is, you know, much of a pain as it is, as much of a nuisance as it can be. It really is a useful tool, which I have been able to meet many incredible people by using uh, and been able to have incredible conversations. So remember that, folks. Remember that if you uh, are feeling isolated in these times, feeling alone, that I am always here. Your comrades are always here. Your friends, your family, your loved ones. uh, Always reach out. Always ask for help, even when it feels like you can't, even when it feels like you won't. Please reach out, please connect with me or anybody else that you need to because the last thing that we need is more incredible people like yourselves um, being lost to the struggle, being lost to this shit world. Um, You're what makes it beautiful, you're what makes it shine, you're what makes it better because you're in it. Um, So remember that. But me and Luna Oi were able to record an episode yesterday that will be coming up in a few days. I'm very very thankful for Luna for coming on the show and for the incredible conversation we had. Um, Luna is just a great person. She was so sweet. She was so genuine. She was so kind. 
Um, and I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, but, um, it was a dream come true, you know, and what we talked about was incredible. It's what we've been talking about on the show for a while. So it really, really was nice. Um, but anyways, what we talked about, some of it was the necessity to really take hold of our reality to take hold of the world around us and to actually be able to control it, manipulate it, move it, mend it, mold it in the way that we, we broadly, meaning we, the people of this earth, desperately and genuinely need it to be. Now, it's no simple feat, that's for sure. We have a lot standing in our way, a lot of walls, a lot of barricades that make such a a movement, such a, a concept, so overwhelming. But it's not impossible. And I can say it's not impossible because guess what? The first steps have already been taken. People have been having revolutions of all kinds since the day that class society came into existence. People have been fighting, resisting, beating back their oppressors since day one of their oppression. So we need not be consumed by this idea that we ourselves or we as groups and organizations are going to have to take the world by storm as, you know, these Blanquist or, you know, Jacobin types that are just a small echo chamber that thinks that because it's, you know, whatever, that they're just going to be able to take over the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to actually connect with the masses. But what that means is once we get connecting with the masses, once we get building these relationships and building these movements, we can't be stopped. We won't be stopped. The people will not stop. Look in Sudan, you just had this huge march of, you know, the elders of the older folks within the communities and within the the nation who are in support of the resistance movement, of the youth, of the resistance committees, and came out to show that support in millions. Look at the actual uh, movements that are taking place in nations like, you know, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, or if you want to look outside of these nations we commonly source, look all throughout Asia, in the Philippines, look all throughout Africa, in Kenya, in Swaziland, in South Africa. All of these places have incredible mass movements that have been being built for 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years, and yet we never hear about them because they're not socialist or they're not communist or they're not X, Y, and Z. Another thing me and Luna began to talk about was the necessity for people to use dialectical materialism and historical materialism to get a more round and concrete view of the world around them. Now, earlier when I was talking about the need to be able to manipulate our reality, normally what sciences of all kinds do, whether it's in the medical field, whether it's ecology, whether it's biology, 
the intention is to observe phenomena and then through the scientific method be able to deduct the causal effects and the origins origins of the developments that are happening of the phenomenon it essentially it's to observe something and then try to understand that thing well we do not simply want to stop at the observing part we want to be able to understand these things to a level in which we ourselves are able to change them if we understand the historical reason behind war conflict contradictions, etc. It is not enough to then say, okay, I have a concrete understanding of these things. The goal from that point forward, once you are able to understand these things to a level that you're able to enunciate them, you're able to explain them, you're able to break them down for people, the next goal, the next objective should be teaching should be bringing these ideas to other people and not with the intention of being a teacher, meaning like, I'm so smart, I know everything, I'm going to go around the world and tell everybody about my knowledge. No, you're a teacher as in you're a person who attained knowledge that then is going to pass that knowledge on to other people. You're not better than anyone. You might be more capable of attaining knowledge or have more access to it. You might have a higher IQ or a better memory. But every single human being on this earth has the capacity to understand the world around them because they live in it. So when you are able to give people explanations and understandings, it's not, it's world shattering, but in a a weird way because it's almost like you realize in that moment how you've understood this to be true already for so long without having the words to explain it, without knowing why it is that these issues are happening, why it is that every single day you go to work, you, you, know, you give up and sacrifice so much of your life to just go labor for someone else and yet you have to struggle you have to suffer because you might not have enough money to pay your bills or you might not be able to get medical procedures because you don't have health insurance or you might not have stable housing because you can't afford rent how in hell is it possible that the people who are in the workplaces, who are on the job sites, who are doing the production, the distribution, the transportation, and the selling of consumable commodities have absolutely no ability in that sense to be able to afford the things, the commodities, the consumer goods that we need. I, for one, cannot see a logic here that is not based on exploitation. I cannot see a logic here that is not based on the uh, private and uh, uh, concentrated accumulation of wealth and power in the hands of a few ruling class representatives. But it is not these few 
let us remember this. It is not these few individuals, these few ruling class uh, personas or representatives that in and of themselves are the dominators, are the oppressors alone. It is the whole class, the entire ruling class, the capitalists, the imperialists, the militaries, the banks, the private weapons manufacturers, the immigration uh, uh, police, the um, education system, the corporate media, the judges, the legislation, the laws, the juries, the courts, all of it is about a system where an entire class, a ruling class, an exploiting class, an oppressive class has complete and utter dominance, dictatorship, and control over the way in which we live our lives in every way in which we live our lives. This is not about some idea. This is not about some utopia. This is not about some perfect conception of my mind or of Lenin's mind or of Marx's mind or of Mao's mind or of Ho Chi Minh's mind or of, uh, you know, Kwame Ture's mind. But it is about a practical realization and a uh, administration and a control of the reality around us rather than being controlled and administrated by those who do control the reality around us. Because reality is not just happening. Things do not just happen. There's no luck or chance or, you know, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, miracle that causes the phenomena that happen. We know why snow falls from the ground. There was a time in which we didn't and now we do. We know why global capitalist and imperialist powers go to war, have conflicts, uh, have regional disputes, put sanctions on each other, try to create regime change. At one point, we didn't. At one point, we thought it was the evilness of individuals. We thought it was the, the rottenness of you know, uh, a non-Christian or a Catholic. We thought it was this completely disconnected and unrealistic reason. We thought it was the devil at one point. We thought it was these different possessive demons, right? We thought at one point it was, you know, uh, progressiveness and, and communism that was creating the poverty and the suffering all across the world. That's what a majority of our country still thinks today. But we know factually with historical evidence, proof, and so many personal experiences to prove it as such that it is in fact capitalism and imperialism that lead to these wars, that lead to these contradictions that cannot be resolved by capitalists and imperialists who are seeking to further divide and conquer the land, the resources, the markets, and the labor force. There is no other way except for conflict that these governments, these states, 
this ruling class is willing to handle its own issues. But think about it this way. Let's say, okay, we're the, we're the kids that get beat up at school, right? We're the, we're the dweebs, the nerds, the geeks, whatever, because we read our books, right? And then, you know, we, we get to a point where we're kind of like, we're, we're sick of it, right? And we're like, we're not going to just keep letting you guys bully us. But we can't just go up to the, the football team who's spent the last 8, 10 years of their life in the weight room beating up on each other. We can't just go after the hockey kids. We can't just go after... I mean, we can maybe beat up the baseball team. <laughs> but we can't just go against, you know, the jocks, the, the, the bullies as a, an organized mass by ourselves. And so what we have to do is we have to wait. We have to wait till Jimmy, you know, kisses or or talks about Johnny's girlfriend. Or we got to wait until Johnny, uh, you know, gets jealous of, of Bobby for getting such good grades all the time without having to study. We have to wait until the bullies are mad at each other, are conflicting and contradicting one another. And then we use this opportunity when maybe they go after each other and we dogpile them. And that's what we got to do now. We have to understand that right now we are leading towards a point of conflict where ruling class governments are going to be so focused on us killing each other that when we go after other people, when we change this scenario and we use the guns that they give us for other purposes, they will be distracted. They will be isolated. They will be in conflict with one another and therefore unwilling and incapable to come to one another's aid. If we look historically in places like Vietnam, the opportunities that were taken and seized by the Vietnamese people were ones where no ruling class government was in a position to come in and overthrow the revolution just yet. And so now, in the point in which of time we are in, we have to understand that capitalism and imperialism is on its deathbed. It is making its way to the morgue. We just got to be the ones to send it there. The only way that it's going to get there, though, is by finally putting the stake through its heart. We know, especially here in the United States, that there is much to be done. The Democratic Party is useless. The Bernie Sanders, AOCs, Ilan Omars, Rashida Tlaibs, and other folks like them who put on this front of progressivism, who put on this front of woke uh, you know, consciousness, who put on this rhetoric and put on this face that is meant to convince people that they care, that they're concerned, and that they're willing to do something, is completely a sham when you compare it to the very actions that these same individuals have taken. AOC has come out in explicit support for Israel. Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, Bernie Sanders, none of them are in there shaking up shit the way that they need to be. And they are consistently passing legislation which is putting money further and power further into the hands of the ruling class. 
Because when you go into their halls of power, when you go into their systems, when you go and do things the way they told us we're supposed to, believe it or not, it doesn't lead to anything different. It just leads to differences, which seems like it's important. You know, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me. It seems important that AOC, Bernie Sanders, Ilhan Omar are up there and they're giving these fiery speeches and they're talking about these things. And it is in the sense that it puts these ideas in people's mind. But do ideas change the world of their own accord? Do ideas put the reality starkly into a a corner and instead of allowing the forms of oppression and exploitation to continue puts an end to them? No. Ideas are what inspire us. Ideas are what helps us to implement changes because if we have a goal, if we have an objective, if we have something we're fighting for instead of simply something we're fighting against, we have a unifying tool unlike any other, especially when what we're fighting for is socialism. Because socialism, for those who don't know, is a system completely different in character, in kind, in form, and in essence than anything that the human race has seen for thousands of years. It is not feudalism. It is not absolutism. It is not monarchism. It is not meritocracy. It is not aristocracy. It is not oligarchy. It is not oppression. It is not exploitation. It is not dictatorship of the few, but rather dictatorship of the many, which is dictatorship in a way that we oftentimes can't conceptualize. Because when we have a group of 10 and nine of them want to go to McDonald's, but the 10th wants to go to Burger King, we don't consider that a dictatorship. When we have a family where 20 of whom are Christian and a few are agnostic, but everybody has to go to church on Sunday, we don't see that as a dictatorship. Because, of course, to to characterize it as such is is almost an intentional attempt to put a, a smack of evil on it, to make it seem as if rule by consensus or rule by democratic majority is somehow equal to rule of minority, rule of few, rule of oppressors and exploiters over oppressed and exploited. You hear all these supposed, you know, uh, liberals and social democrats and democratic socialists and leftists and anarchists talking about the fact that communism socialism is just as authoritarian as capitalism without having once taken into account what a ludicrous and ridiculous statement that is. You have a system, capitalism, imperialism, that from the very first day that small production began in rural areas and landlords and kings and aristocrats and clergymen began stealing, pillaging, pilfering, raping, enslaving, and dominating over entire groups of people by sword, by guns, by cannons, by decree, by religion. 
as soon as the system known as um, uh, class society came to the fore, there was only one way out, and that is revolution. Now, that revolution took many different forms. It took many different stages, but it has always and will always be revolution. It was revolution of the serfs against the, the feudal landlords. It was revolution against the, of the subjects against the kings and queens. It was revolution of the bourgeois against the aristocratic and monarchical absolute societies. It was revolution of the French, of the British, of many bourgeois against the old forms of feudal society that brought capitalism and imperialism to the fore. It was a revolution. And yet they try to tell us today that it is not revolution that is necessary to bring the changes we need today. But instead it is reforms. It is participation in electoral and bourgeois democracy. It is participation within the capitalist system ourselves. Well, maybe if you just become a business owner, if you just, you know, exploit labor yourself, then you'll understand. Then it'll be okay. We do not simply want new forms of oppression and exploitation. We've had enough. We've had countless generations, forms, and contradictory types of exploitation and oppression, all of which that have been eliminated have been eliminated by the revolutionary violence of the exploited and oppressed class. Now... These revolutions have not always been fought by the whole class. But at points, certain parts, certain members, certain groups within these classes have, in fact, had their revolutions. Now it's our turn. The reality is this. Let's look at it quite concretely. In the U.S. Empire within the imperial core that we know as America. There is more wealth, more guns, more food, more medicine, more hospitals, more gas stations, more pharmacies, more restaurants per capita, per square inch than anywhere else. Even in Europe. There is more insane amounts of power concentrated in the hands of a few isolated groups. Now when I say a few, let me be clear. It is statistically shown that less than 0.325% of the world's population has ownership over the means of production. It is shown that of the wealthiest, the richest, the most powerful, it is not the 1%, but it is less than 1% that has complete control, has full title to wealth, land, resources, markets, and labor forces, factories, and raw materials. While the majority... More than 99% of the world is forced to work in order to survive, and yet many of whom cannot. 
when we begin to take account of the world around us in a sense that is not meant to put our own ideas or interests ahead of the reality we're seeing, but instead compares and contrasts the ideas and the belief systems which we had previously to the incoming material as we are consuming it, then we will truly get to a point where we understand that once a ruling class, like the capitalists, imperialists, their militaries, their education systems, their prisons, and their uh, forms of trade have solidified and cemented themselves to a certain extent, there is a relationship that is predicated on in order to ensure these forms of oppression stay. And so because of this, because these systems are predicated on an unequal relationship of oppression and exploitation, then it must be understood that there is no other way except for a complete upheaval, overthrowal, explosion, and eradication of the system in which is oppressing and exploiting the people is the only way forward. We are fooled. We have been made foolish. We have to understand this reality. So what this means is is kind of like a bit complicated, so let's talk about it. But before I do, I'd like folks to go read two papers written by Lenin. Uh, the first titled Socialism and War, which was written in 1915. And then I would also like you to read... Um, I guess this isn't technically by Lenin, but uh, go read the uh, manifesto of the uh, Basel conference. That's B-A-S-L-E. Because this is the original approach that socialists and communists globally wanted to take going into World War I. That was an attempt to use the energy, the contradictions, the conflicts, and the guns that were out now and overthrow the ruling class. Now, again, is this easy? Is this a simple feat? No, surely not. I mean, especially here in the U.S. empire, we're not organized. But We will never have a more opportune moment than a moment of international contradiction, than a moment of inter-imperialist and capitalist war. The crisis in Ukraine combined with also the crisis that is happening in Yemen, in Nepal, in Palestine, in Turkey, in, uh, in Ethiopia and Eritrea, in West Africa all throughout Latin America, and also here on Turtle Island, where indigenous people, black people, immigrants, uh, all are constantly, constantly seeing intensifications of violence, uh, seeing intensifications of oppressive measures by governments against, for example, reproductive rights, against immigration, etc. 
And this is one thing I would like to point out very quickly about the Ukrainian conflict. Slovakia, Poland, and other regions which have anti-Muslim, anti-Arab, and anti-immigrant uh, policies and legislation in place. For example, Poland is actively building a border wall right now so that Afghan peoples cannot come in, so that Syrian refugees cannot come in, so that African refugees cannot come in, so that uh, West Asian immigrants and, and refugees cannot come in. Guess who they're accepting? Ukrainian refugees. There is not only a capitalist and imperialist system that is in place, but there is further forms of exploitation and oppression, such as white supremacy, patriarchy, trans misogyny, etc., which are also a form by which the ruling class keeps itself in power. Because if we're fighting with one another based on the color of our skin, based on the uh, religious practices or cultural backgrounds that we have, or based on our national and ethnic backgrounds, we will be incapable of unifying against the people that have created these severances, that have drawn these national borders, that have uh, divided these ethnic groups from one another and created conflict between them, and we will allow them to continue doing the same. I have no issue with a single human being that does not do anything against me or another human being. I have no issue with any man, with any woman, with any person, with any child, with any living being that does not have problems, does not create problems with other living beings. We must support our trans comrades. We must support our non-binary comrades. We must support our comrades in the global south, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. We must support our Muslim comrades. We must support our Jewish comrades. We must support our Christian comrades. We must support our agnostic and atheist comrades. We must support all people from all walks of life who are fighting for a reality where people from all walks of life are treated equally, equitably, and live in egalitarian societies where no oppression, no exploitation is perpetrated by one human over another. Now, this certainly is a utopia. This certainly is an ideal. But having this as an objective means that our end goal is perfection. When we reach our objective, we, ha- we will have reached a world where we are able to say classes no longer exist. This is generations and generations away. But stepping stones must be taken one at a time. We live in a certain period of time, in a certain place, in a certain area, with certain skills, certain opportunities, certain knowledge, and certain uh, um, capabilities. And so we must take those and we must use them. We must wield them for the most revolutionary possibility that they have. We must do everything in our power, and I mean everything, to bring about a socialist revolution and a mass movement that is organized and intent on overthrowing the ruling class today. And we must do that step by step, brick by brick, word by word, conversation by conversation, Uh, sandwich by sandwich, 
jacket by jacket, pair of gloves by pair of gloves. We have to provide for people in every way we can. We have to provide them uh, spiritual knowledge as well as economic knowledge. We have to provide them with political knowledge as well as social knowledge, right? We have to provide them with the knowledge of nature and the plants, the environment, the ecology around them, but also in industry, also in advancement, also in progressive technologies to aid nature in regenerating itself and to work away from fossil fuels, natural gases, and other forms of energy that are destroying the very planet that has inhabited us as human beings and living species for millions of millions of years. We have a lot to do, but it cannot be that we must expect that it's going to come in an instant. And so do not be overwhelmed, my friends. Do not be dismayed. But remember that we are working together. We have the largest army. We have the largest force. We have the largest amount of comrades that anybody else could have because we are the working and exploited people of the world and we are the majority. And so because of this, my friends, please remember any and every way that you can be involved is important, even if you think it's small, even if someone's going to shit on you and say that's not enough, it doesn't matter because you're doing something. And most of the time, people who say it's not enough are doing nothing. We must bring everything, and I mean everything that we have, everything that we know, every skill set, every idea, every historical fact or event that we've memorized and we must see if any of it has the key to you know maybe a new form of resistance or a new way to connect with people or a different way to understand a a complex or contradictory form of exploitation, or, you know, a new part of the history of the masses of people whose history has been rewritten and rewritten again, hidden from them, and and ultimately, you know, um, destroyed by the ruling classes for generations and generations. Now, we need to begin somewhere. And we can't just continue having conversations and expecting that conversations alone will be able to uh, change the world. Conversations are the beginning stage by which we are able to implement political education, which is incredibly necessary to organizing a mass movement that is going to be able to overthrow the current uh, oppressive systems. Now, I say this because at the end of the day, one of the most important things that we can do is begin to understand how, why, by whom we are being exploited and oppressed. And for a lot of people, it's getting them to understand that they are. And for other people, it's getting them to understand that they're not as oppressed as they think they are. Shout out white Christians. Um, But equally still, the point uh, stands that political education would eradicate ignorance of all kinds. So how do we get it to them? Well, we kind of got to take a step forward in a way that some organizations are. And that 
is really just bringing shit to people. Like the People's Forum has set up a physical place where folks can go hear speeches, hear conversations. They can organize. They can read books. That's really dope. Then you got groups like the PSL and, you know, uh, others that are going door to door and, uh, you know, doing mass work. And then you got organizations uh, like tenants unions, like workplace unions that are, you know, delivering knowledge and material to people, giving them encouragement, emboldening them showing them what is wrong with what they are dealing with and giving them some ideas and some, uh, you know, activities that they can try in order to change this. Revolutionaries and communists, we have to do all of this. But more than just giving people the seeds of ideas, having deep conversations with folks, more than just, you know, pointing out what's wrong, we also have to meet this negative with a positive, meaning not pessimism, optimism, although somewhat. But what I mean is that we can't just have a movement that is based on negatives, things that we are against. We have to have also within the movement things that we are all for. Take, for example, again, a family, right, that is split between uh, people of different, you know, belief systems, etc. And let's say that you get them all in a room and you ask them, okay, you guys are in charge of fixing the world. Anything that you say or do, right, that's what we're going to do it and and you'll fix the world. You will never get an answer. You'd never see anything happen because none, uh, at least my family, I don't know. Do do I just have a fucked up family? Am I just projecting here? (laughs) Anyways, it's clear what I'm meaning to say is in fact that if we are not together for something, we will simply bicker with each other once we get to a point that we are able to actually do something. Because once we're all united and we're like, yeah, fuck the capitalists, fuck white supremacy, fuck, you know, imperialism, we see, oh, here comes Russia. Here's all these, and here we are. And it's not about uniting against war. It's not against uniting against capitalism. It's not against taking this moment and building a revolution. No, it's about having the correct take on Twitter and making sure that you can tear into somebody else because you disagree with them. And ultimately, that is the stage in which our organization is at, or at least, you know, the visible stage that we are at. I don't know, maybe there's some crazy underground organizations that are about to pop off. And, uh, you know, I'll be thankful for it. But Until that day comes, until maybe we're the ones to build that, allegedly, um, we have to understand that people have tried, people have fought, people have done incredible things. The Black Panther Party, Black Liberation Army, as well as the Young Lords. Then you got, you know, I know a lot of folks today think about the CPUSA as 
an organization that was uh, reactionary, that had uh, problems with racism and imperialism and chauvinism, which is true at a certain point in its history. But if you look in the, the 30s and the 40s, the Communist Party was one of the largest organizations in the United States of progressives, of organizers, of activists, and of socialists and communists. At one point, the IWW was big. At another point, groups like the Deacons of Defense, uh, the uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, uh, the uh, Marcus Garvey's movement, uh, Malcolm X's movement, uh, the Civil Rights Movement, all of these uh, movements were capable of bringing so many people who genuinely did not agree on many other things, except for a need for liberation. So did the Vietnam War. So did, uh, to some extent, the Gulf War. Um, so did, to some extent, the Korean War. And uh, hopefully, so too, will this conflict and these ongoing conflicts in Yemen and in Palestine, hopefully, too, we will see the beginning of a mass movement here within the belly of the beast that can pull the uh, you know, tentacles of imperialism back uh, against itself and allow for an opportunity to be had for global revolution. Um, but this can't just come because we talk about it, right? We gotta go out in the streets and we gotta be feeding people. Guess what? Right now in your community, there is someone who doesn't have a meal. Go out, try to find them, connect with them, give them a meal and see what else you can do to help other people like them or them themselves. That is one of the surefire ways to be able to organize with people. Me and Luna talked about this. We talked about the fact that, you know, you, you get a lot of people who they're like, okay, what's the secret? Okay, what do we do? Well, <laughs> look around. What needs to be done that the government isn't doing? What needs to be done so to protect against the repressive and reactionary forces in what they are doing. There you go. Because guess what? That's what black folks, Latinos, Chicanos, indigenous folks, Asians, and other folks from, you know, some of the most exploited and oppressed backgrounds within this country and across the world have been doing for generations. They didn't need no books. They didn't need, you know, some webinars and lesson plans. They didn't need a, a study guide in a goddamn classroom to know, listen, if some French asshole or some fucking Spanish conquistador or some Italian dickhead or some Dutch asshole wants to come over here and try to tell me who I am, what I am, what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it. He's going to touch my wife. He's going to touch my children. He's going to beat my father. He's going to take my brother. He's going to fight me. He's going to kill someone right there in front of me and think that I am going to allow that to continue. No. And so why is it that we think we got to have this fucking mission plan and goddamn like, like, I get it. I have fucking ADHD and autism. Like, I love having a step-by-step -step fucking guide. But believe it or not, if there was a step-by-step -step guide for revolution, they would have read it too, 
and they'd be ready. Like these generals, like uh, the uh, Marine guy who was on trial for his possible participation in the um, January 6th thing. I think I'm thinking of the right thing. He was talking about Mao. He was talking about guerrilla warfare. And then, you know, you got like, like, for example, if you buy guerrilla warfare here in the United States, you probably will get the copy that has a foreword written by uh, a sergeant in the Marine Corps. Um, what else? I mean, they built the system, man. Who else is going to know it better, you know? So it's like when we got these people that are going around saying, like, what do we do? What do we do? I hear you. And my, my heart yearns to be able to help you, really. Um, if I could be everywhere doing everything with everyone, that would be the best day of my life. As much as I really hate people and I'm lazy and I like to hang out and do nothing, have you ever been with people when you were, like, in a bad mood and it just completely changes your entire day? Yeah, that's how I feel when I think about being out in these streets, like being a fucking communist and organizing and feeding people and like seeing the world change and like watching as people take power and take control and fight for their dignity and their, you know, humanity. That shit is fucking beautiful, dude. That shit is gorgeous. Like, I got radicalized, as I talked about with Luna, from, like, her content, but also from Bolivia. I got radicalized because Bolivia and the the movement towards socialism is a gorgeous example of what actual mass movements look like. There's millions of people who are fed, clothed, respected, given power and administrative control and able to decide for themselves how their countries are to be ran. And then there's millions of people here in the United States who can't miss a day of work because if they were to lose out on that paycheck, they might miss rent. As Eugene Purrier from The Punch-Out, who I always forget to mention, shout out Eugene, um, uh, speaks about in a lot of his episodes recently, There's something like uh, in the D.C. area and I think in big cities across the country as well. There's something like 60% of the population who answered this survey that believes like they probably aren't going to make rent next month. Does anybody see a problem here? And let's talk about the fact that these assholes even have to charge rent. Why the fuck are we charging rent in a world where... We've always needed homes, and yet we've not always charged rent. There was a period of time in which humanity lived without this shit. It's not impossible. Not by a long shot. They want you to think that. They want you to feel that way. And naturally, you will feel that way. I mean, for folks who constantly just cite or obsess over Marx, 
Marx talks about multiple times the fact that once you get to a certain point, labor and like your day to day is not your life. You don't view it as such. It's almost a sacrifice of your life. And then when you leave work, when you get home, you basically just use the earnings that you've gained from laboring to like forget about laboring, to like try to mend yourself from the other 60 to 70% of your life. And yet there was a period in time in which human beings roamed this earth semi-freely. And there's places on this earth right now where people do roam this earth freely. And our solidarity, our support, and our efforts must be to put a shining light on the glorious examples that are Cuba, Nicaragua, the Soviet Union, China, Vietnam, Venezuela, Burkina Faso under Thomas Sankara, Ghana under Kwame Nkrumah, um, the Congo under Patrice Lumumba, the mass movements like Emil Carr Cabral's PAIGC, like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King's global movements, like the movements of the Communist Party in the Philippines, in Nepal, in Yemen, in Afghanistan, and in countless other countries globally, we must say solidarity. But we must not just say it. We must do it. We must go to these countries and see for ourselves, report on it, speak about it. We must educate ourselves. We must help build tenant unions. We must build student unions. We must build workplace unions. We must build neighborhood community watch groups of sort and protection groups against the police brutality that so many of the communities within this nation have to suffer. We have to build defensive fronts against reactionary and repressive forces, against fascism, and against capitalism imperialism. And right now, right fucking now, we need a mass movement for an end to imperialism, an end to capitalism, an end to war and global conflicts for capitalist pilfering and redivision of the, the world. And we must fight for the liberation of all people, all peoples. Solidarity with the peoples of the Donsk and the Luhansk region. Solidarity with the Ukrainian people who must put down their arms. Solidarity with the Russian people who must put down their arms. Solidarity with the Chinese people who throughout this pandemic have been being a shining light, a glorious front to fight the pandemic, to fight imperialism, to fight capitalist expansion, to fight global climate crisis, and to fight exploitation and oppression of all kinds. We must say thank you to Luna Oi once more for coming on the show, and we must build internationalist relations ourselves. We must fight for a reality, for a tomorrow, where people are given the ability, not just the abstract right, the liberal ideal of democracy, of control, of power, of government by the people, for the people, but 
actual power vested in the entire exploited and oppressed class as a class, as a dictatorship over the oppressors. We will fight, we will win, and we will struggle, but we must continue. Folks, that's it for me. If you have any questions, any concerns, any critiques, anything you'd like to say, let me know. Please reach out to me for whatever reason. Please go check out Luna Oy's content and be on the watch for that episode coming up. Please go support the uh, Red uh, Condor Collective. Please go support Troika Collective. Please go support uh, Affirm Hawaii. Please go support the Red Nation podcast. Please go support um, Anti-Conquista, Unmasking Imperialism. Please go support uh, the Marxist Project on YouTube. Um, Please go check out Kawasaki News. Please support organizations, mobilizations, and mass movements across the world. And please, folks, study. Take your time. When you read an article, guess what? You don't got to post about it. When you read an article, you don't need to share it right away. When you read an article, guess what? You don't even need to post it at all. But if you want to, take your time, do your research, study, break it down, use dialectical and historical materialism for your benefit, please. Long live the revolution, folks, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace out.